Amen. All right, I want you to notice in verse 9 of 1 Thessalonians 2, it says, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses. And God also, how holy and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Notice this statement that Paul makes in there where he's talking about, he's basically saying, hey, we weren't chargeable to any of you. We did what we were supposed to do. And then he went and he said, and you are witnesses. What Paul was claiming about himself, what he was stating about himself, he was telling these people, you are witnesses and God is a witness. And basically what he's doing here is he's showing that, you know what, it is a proven fact what I'm saying. Because of the fact that we've got witnesses, in fact, we've got all of you and we have God as a witness. And, you know, most of the time when we talk about being a witness, it's in reference to, you know, giving the gospel and soul winning. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're being a witness when we go soul winning. But I don't really want to talk about that kind of witness today. Because I, I think we're doing a good job at Liberty Baptist Church when it comes to, you know, producing witnesses of the gospel. But what I believe we also need to do as a church, especially uh, for the benefit of the young people in this church, is we need people in this church to be witnesses of righteousness and witnesses against sin. Now, what do I mean by that when we talk about that? Okay, so for example, we have so much lying in this world that this is kind of a hard thing for us to understand sometimes. Okay, understand, back in the Bible days, in fact, uh, go ahead and turn over to um, Deuteronomy 19 and verse 15. There was a time when two or three witnesses to something proved the fact. I mean, it was just a fact. We had two or three witnesses. It's a fact. It's proof. Now, today, not so much. You know why? Because there are no consequences for lying in this country anymore. There's hardly any consequences. It says in Deuteronomy 19.15, One witness shall not rise up against any man for any iniquity or for any sin, in any sin that he sinneth. At the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. What's going to prove whether or not this man deserves judgment is if we've got two, or better yet, three witnesses. If we have it at the mouth of two or three witnesses, then it will be established, it will be a fact that so-and-so killed this person. But if we don't have any witnesses, then you know what? We don't have any proof. Therefore, no judgment is going to be given. And you say, but you know how that, how that work? Because people can just lie. Can't people get together and lie? Well, not if you make diligent inquiry. For example, when they put Jesus on trial... There was a bunch of witnesses that came against Jesus. But even with their due process they had back then in Roman government, when they questioned, what does the Bible say? Their witnesses did not agree together. So that was proof that they were lying. The fact that the witnesses did not agree together. And back in the Bible days, if you got caught lying and bearing false witness, the penalty that they would have received, you will receive. So you know what? If we had laws in this country where, let's say, we had the death penalty for murder, like we should, and you accused someone of murder and it was proven that you lied about it, you would get the death penalty. You know what? Nobody would lie about somebody murdering somebody else. If you had, if, if somebody stole something, if you, and if our laws were you had to pay fourfold, nobody 
is going to go and lie about that person stealing, if the penalty for them lying is then they will have to pay fourfold in that situation. Nobody's going to lie in that situation. So understand, you know, back in the day when they had laws like these, false witnesses were a lot more rare. I mean, it happened. But they usually got caught. They usually got busted. And today, though, especially thanks to the Internet, it's out of control. I mean, the and not just the Internet, television. Look at the news media, how they get away with lying and lying. And they get away with it. Politicians, they lie and they lie and they get away with it. On the Internet, you can get on there and you can say whatever you want about whoever you want and you will not get in any trouble at all. It is just amazing. It's amazing the lies that are just out there about me. You see people that put these videos out, it's like, do they not even care about their credibility? No, they don't care. All they care about is just hoping they can you know, convince one person to stay away from me. And if they got a lie to do it, they'll do it. And they do it. And you know how many, you know what kind of consequences they're going to get in this earth? Nothing. Unless God deals with them. And he probably will. But because of that, it's not uncommon. I mean, just, I could go on and on about lies told about me. It's just like, nobody cares anymore. No consequences. No consequences at all. And that said, because there was a time when two or three witnesses to something proved a fact. And that's the way it should be. And uh, look what it says in 1 Corinthians 15. So, for example, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a proven historical fact. Don't understand that? You can go and you go look up any major historical fact that is out there today. And based on all the information they would use to prove it as a fact, the resurrection has way more proof. Yet people will try to say it's not a fact. Folks, it's a fact. Why? Well, 1 Corinthians 15.3 says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Now, why do we believe in the resurrection? Now, ultimately, we believe it by faith, right? Because of the Scriptures, right? But is that the only reason I believe in the resurrection? Absolutely not. That's the main reason. Because it says He died according to the Scriptures. It says that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. But then look what it says after this. And he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present day, but some are falling asleep. What's he doing here? He's saying this fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, it is a proven fact. Not only was it according to the scriptures, but we had five hundred witnesses at one time that most of them are still alive today, is what he's saying. He's not talking about something that's just a faith-based thing. He's talking about a proven fact. There were hundreds of witnesses. Folks, that counts as proof. Y'all understand that? Hundreds of witnesses. And not just people who saw it. No, people who are testifying to the fact that they saw it. And their testimony agrees together. The four Gospels all agree together. Y'all realize that's a proven fact? That because of, there's witnesses. And then the Apostle Paul said he was seen of James and then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. So Paul is just showing, hey, this is a fact because there were some saying there is no resurrection of the dead. And he's like, you're crazy to think that. It's a proven fact. Why? Because we have witnesses. It says in Acts 2.32, this Jesus hath God raised up whereof we all are witnesses. Why does he keep bringing this up? Why does he keep talking about witnesses? 
because back then people had this idea that witnesses would prove a fact. And so this was a proven fact, and it should be that way. And it still is in many ways today. Acts 3.15 says, And killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. So, folks, we are witnesses today of the gospel, even though we didn't see it, because we believed the record. We believed the record, okay, which was in the, in the Bible. And God has also given us the witness in our hearts. It says in 2 Corinthians 1.22, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. So understand, we can call ourselves witnesses of the resurrection of Christ. Why? Because when we believe the gospel, and I'm not going to take time to show you this, I can, I can show you scriptures where it says when we, you know, if we believe God, that we've seen him, we've heard him. There, there's many references like that in the Bible. Spiritually, we have done all these things. So when we go out there, and we are testifying to what we have seen and heard spiritually, to what we have believed in our hearts. Understand, what we're out telling these people is a proven fact. It's a proven fact because we do have the scriptures and we have witnesses of these things. And so thank God for all those who witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But they didn't just witness it. In other words, they didn't just see it, but they also recorded it. For us, they wrote it down. They told us what they saw. And so now we know what happened, don't we? We all know that Jesus died, was buried in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose again. We know that 40 days later, he ascended up into heaven. How do we know that? Because it was recorded for us by witnesses, by people who saw it. And we benefit from these things today. So thank God for the scriptures that can give us guidance and direction in our life. Thank God for the clear commands that God has for those who... Follow the commands. And, you know, and sometimes we don't completely understand the commands. But thank God for those who follow the commands of the Bible, even though they don't understand why. And that's how most young people are in here today. You don't always understand your parents' rules, but God bless you if you follow them anyway. That's the right thing to do. And one of these days you'll understand it, but right now you don't. So just you know, keep following their lead, and the Lord will bless you for that. And one of these days you're going to understand it. So we should obey the scriptures just because it's in the scriptures. Y'all understand that? That's what Paul mentioned first in 1 Corinthians 15. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. If that's all we had, that should be enough right there. But he mentioned the witnesses too, didn't he? And thank God for witnesses. If God tells us that drinking is wrong and that it is dangerous and that it is destructive, we should believe that. But you know what? It helps. It makes it easier if others who have witnessed that fact also will witness to us and testify to the fact that it is destructive, that it is empty, that it is not worth it. We need people stepping up and doing that. That's going to help, especially the younger people in here. Because there's not one of us in here who isn't occasionally or probably quite often tempted to sin just because we don't understand why God gave that command or we don't understand the potential consequences of committing that sin. And so, so something that could help all of us avoid these things is if people who have witnessed the cause and effects of sin, if they would come forward and be a witness that what the Bible says is true. 
And so to kind of illustrate this, you know, so in, in reality, every Sunday when I get up and I preach against sin, you could say what we're doing is we're putting sin on trial. Okay? Now, I'm not preaching on any specific sins today, but let's say I were to be preaching on drunkenness. Okay? I get up here, I preach on drunkenness. You know what I'm going to do? I'm the prosecutor. I'm going to go to the law and I'm going to say, this is what the law says. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you from the Bible how it is a sin. But then, in the audience, we're going to say the children, the young people, they're the jurors. Okay? They're the ones that we're really trying to reach with this. And so they're hearing me, the prosecutor, get up and talk about how wicked it is, talk about how bad it is. They hear me make my case from the law, but then the problem is they're going to leave this week and then they're going to hear from the defense on the television and on the internet. And the defense is going to be showing a bunch of people drinking and having a good time, having a good party. The defense is going to have all these people on movies doing these things and having a good time. The defense is going to show these movies of teenagers sneaking out and drinking and getting drunk and having fun. They're going to be showing them all these things. And then you've got the children, the jurors, that are like, well, you know, who do we believe? Well, you know, Pastor Tommy, he's up there, you know, yelling against drinking and everything, but he's never even tried it before, so what does he even know? You know, I just, I just want to try it for myself. You know, I'd like to just see for myself now, that's wrong. They should listen to what the law says. That's what they should do. The fact that the Bible says what it says, that should be enough right there for them to say, you know what? Drinking is on trial today, and we find it guilty. We're staying away from it. It's wrong. That should be enough. But sometimes it isn't. Sometimes jurors get things wrong. Did you know that? Sometimes even our legal system... Jurors get things wrong. Sometimes kids who grow up in church and are taught the truth, sometimes they get things wrong and they make the wrong choices. And something that can help sway a juror in a case is witnesses that are brought forward. The witnesses that are brought forward, someone coming and testifying to the fact. And if everybody sees multiple people testifying the same thing and it agreeing together, you know, there's no other conclusion you can come to except that they're telling the truth. And that's what we need people doing against sin. So I'm the prosecutor, I'm calling it out, but then you got Hollywood, the news media, they're the defense, and they're out there defending it like crazy, and they're doing a good job of it. They're winning a lot of people over. They're swaying a lot of jurors, getting them to just re reject what the Bible says. We see today, court, and when it comes to the courts, they can care less what the law says anymore. Even in our stinking Supreme Court, they're the same way. The governor of our state, he, he could care less what the law says about anything. And you know what? Most of the state could care less what the law says about anything. And they're just kind of doing their own thing, going along with whatever. But, you know, we do. I, I want to keep being that uh, prosecutor. So the jurors, they're the young people. They ought to listen. And you see, because the Bible, it takes faith to believe. Because, again, you have an experience. Hopefully kids have faith. Hopefully kids will do the right thing just because the Bible says so. But I think it's important that we have the adults, that we have those who are older. Many of you who know for a fact, who have witnessed the fact that sin is destructive, you don't believe it by faith. You know it. You know it from experience. Some of you in here, you know from experience that drugs are bad. Some of you know from experience that alcohol is destructive. Some of you in here, you know from experience 
the, the devastation and the destruction of fornication and immorality. You've experienced these things, and thank God you've been forgiven these things, you've been cleansed from these things, but you know what? One, one thing we need, sometimes we need people to be a witness to that. I'm up here every week putting sin on trial, showing things from the Bible, but I don't necessarily have all my own experiences that I have, but often many of you out there do. And if we can get some witnesses to step up, and, to say, and I'm not saying you got to step up here in church. I'm not going to call you all up here today and just like, all right, you know, I need you to give us your story. You know, come up and tell us about the first, you know, when you got drunk that time and you vomited all over the place and, you know, all, all these terrible things that happen. You know, we're not going to make you do that. No, nobody's going to make you get up on the stand. But you know what? I don't think that'd be a terrible thing. If we did that sometime, if we, if I say, you know what, I'm going to preach on, I'm, you know, tonight I'm going to preach on drinking. I'm going to show from the law that it's wrong, that it is garbage. And some of you out here know that. You know it from experience. You learn the hard way. I'd like for you to come up and take the stand tonight and tell us what you witnessed when it comes to alcohol. You know, that's not a bad idea. We might do that sometime. We might do this sometime. All the witnesses will be voluntary. Okay, We won't make, we won't make anybody do anything. I don't think that would be a bad idea. And, you know, let's put this stuff on trial for these kids here. Because these kids are being lied to by everything out there today. They're being lied to. And if everybody's getting up here and they're all telling their stories and they, our witnesses are agreeing together, common sense hopefully will kick in with these kids and say, well, you know what? All these people are witnessing the same thing. It's got to be true. I mean, everybody's saying the same thing here. It's got it's got to be a fact. It only makes sense. And so we've got to be we need these. We need witnesses. We need those who are going to are going to come forward because these things Prove it. And we already looked at Deuteronomy 19.15 where it talks about two or three witnesses. Look what it says in John 12 because I think this is interesting too. In John chapter 12 and verse 17, this is after Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. It says, The people therefore that was with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead bear record. A bunch of people saw it and they also bear record. You know what that means? They testified to it. They were telling everybody about it. Everyone's talking about what they saw, and it was all the same thing, proving Jesus, a man that the Jews were afraid of because of his influence, they're, they're afraid of that influence, and everyone's telling him he raised somebody from the dead. What do you think that's going to do? That's going to get everybody looking at Jesus. That's going to get everybody following him. And it says, For this cause the people also met him, for they had heard that he'd done this miracle. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after him. Now, what do they mean by that? The world is gone after him. He did the whole world know about this? But look what it says in verse 20. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. This is why they said the world has the, the world um, is gone after him. Because the Jews are all bearing record of what they saw to people from all over the world who are there at this feast. And so the fact that these people are giving proof that Jesus raised somebody from the dead and sharing it with people from all over the world, you know what? That story is going to spread throughout the world now. And that freaked these Jews out because people were testifying to what they saw and that gives proof. And you know, one of the things we're seeing today is we're seeing Christians who know the truth about the destructiveness of sin we are seeing them intimidated into silence on these things and being told, you know what, don't you speak against that. You're judging. 
know, you're legalistic if you talk about these things. No, you're not. You're just bearing record of the truth. You're being a witness of the truth. And we need people who are going to stand up and be witnesses against sin. We need people who are going to stand up and testify to the fact that sin is not worth it. Hebrews 11.24 says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect of the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses, he chose rather to suffer affliction than to enjoy the pleasures of sin. Why? Because it's for a season. You know what? Some of y'all need to be testifying to the children in this church, to your own children, that sin, yes, it is in fact pleasurable, but for a season. You see, your, your, your young people, they're being deceived into thinking that if they give in to these sinful desires that they have, that it will bring them pleasure. And you know what? Go ahead and testify to the fact that there are some things that will bring you a little bit of fun, but it's not worth it. Let them know that. They don't understand that. All they know is, you know what? I look at that cake. It looks wonderful. Uh, I taste it, and it's great. It's what my flesh desires. And you know, there's no major consequences there, but there's some things that their flesh also desires that do have consequences that do bring destruction, that do bring heartache. And some of you all have experienced that before, and you need to let them know, hey, I understand how you're feeling about this. But listen, the Bible tells us we shouldn't do this, but you know, it's not just that the Bible tells us this. I know this for a fact. Because I was where you were at one time. I did, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of parents make who did not grow up in a Christian home a lot of, there's a lot of parents out there, they didn't grow up in a Christian home, they did a lot of sins, they did a lot of bad things, they raised their children in church around the things of God, and they think that because they don't desire those sins anymore, because they've learned how destructive it is. You know from experience how bad sin is, and you don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. But you know that from experience. And they think that because they're saved now, they don't want these things. No, you don't want those things anymore because you just learned your lesson. Did you know there's lost people out there that don't want to drink anymore? Because they learned how destructive it is. There's lost people out there that don't want to do drugs anymore. There's lost people out there, they don't want to fool around and you know fornicate and all that stuff because they, they've learned the hard way that it's empty. But they're still going to hell. And then you got Christian parents, they think, I'm going to raise my children in a Christian home around the things of God, and they're never going to desire those things. Let me tell you something. That is wrong. That is wrong. Everything that you did when you were lost, your children who are made out of the same flesh as you, that are your flesh, are going to desire those same things too, even if they're saved. They're going to have those desires. And so you know what you need to do? You've got to prove to them that it's not worth it. You got to... And you know... And I, I've known parents out there that had wicked pasts and did some terrible things and they've never told their family. I'm not saying you just got to go and reveal all your sins and you know confess everything. There's a lot of stuff that young know, people are ashamed of and they don't want to talk about. It, and I get that that's fine. But at the same time, you, do, you should try to do something to stop people that are doing those same things. If you know a path that somebody is going down is destructive and is the wrong way, you have an obligation to warn them against going down that path. 
If you almost get killed out on the road because there's a, you know, a, a major a sinkhole in the road that almost got you killed, and you see other people that you love heading for that same sinkhole, you, don't you have an obligation to warn them about that? And some of you all in here, you know how destructive sin is, but often we're just quiet about it. We're not sharing these things. We've got to let our young people know how bad these things are, the trouble that it can cause. They need to hear about the consequences. They're the jerks. Sin is on trial. You are a witness. You've been called to the stand. You know the truth. You've seen it. And yet, many people are just going to sit there and they're not going to say anything. And that's not good. It, I, I, the illustration I like to use, if you guys found out that I was accused of murder and I did it on this day, July 12th, and you heard I killed him at 11.50 uh, a.m. and I'm on trial for it, you know, all of you witnessed that I was here and I wasn't wherever they said I was. But did you know what you witnessed won't do me any good unless you are a witness? Unless you open your mouth, unless you testify to that fact, you won't help me out at all. Listen, I, I'm pastor of Liberty Baptist Church. I have enemies. If I get accused of murder, do you think those haters out there are going to look for the facts or are they just going to run with the story? Any accusation, it's going to, it's going to count. I'll be on the reason files in a heartbeat. Even if I got accused of murder on July 12 at 11.50 a.m., and you know what? They're going to witness against me. They're going to witness to whatever re a rumor that they heard. But you know what? Are you all just going to sit there? Because if you did, if you were quiet about it, you know you're as big a liars as they are. And that's saying a lot. Nobody wants to be that big of a liar. <laughs> People are just trashy. One of them called me yesterday. Just un un unbelievable. No consequences, though. No consequences for lying these days. No consequences for being a false witness. And we need people, though, to step up. We need to hear about the consequences. We need to hear what it cost you. Your kids need to hear what it cost you. What did you lose? You know, I wonder if more young people heard stories about how they couldn't get a, you know, somebody couldn't get a job because of their criminal record, how they missed opportunities because of criminal records, because of just, you know, dumb mistakes that they made. You know, maybe it would say, you know, I don't really want that for myself. You know, let people know about these challenges. You know, so I'm not, I, I, I don't want everybody just confessing all their stuff. You know, but you know, people do need to know some of these things. And I believe it will help. I believe you especially I'll let your kids know. So we need people who will testify to the fact that you're always going to get caught. Okay, I, I don't even believe this by faith. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That's a promise. And you know what? I believe it, but I don't just believe it. I know it. I can tell a lot of stories about things I've done, and I got caught. I can tell a lot of other stories about things I saw other people do, and they got caught. Everybody gets caught. Just mark it down. You're going to get caught. If you've got some secret sin going on in your life right now, guess what? You're going to get caught. You're going to get busted. Listen, teenagers, you might think you're getting away with something right now, but trust me, you're not getting away with nothing you will get caught. And right now, you're just hearing me yell that right now. You're hearing me see that from the Bible. But let me just say, you will get caught. And you know, I think there's a lot of people in here too that would agree with me. And I'm just one witness right now. But you know what? I'll bet if you talk to your parents, they would agree, you will get caught. 
You got anything going on right now that you're not supposed something that you'd be embarrassed if the world found out about it? Just mark it down. The world's going to find out. You better stop it. And let me ask you, can I get a witness? You all know that. It's just, I don't believe this by faith. I just, I know this. And I also know if you're doing the right thing, you're going to be blessed. Bible says, whatsoever man soweth, or he that soweth to his flesh, shall the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit, shall the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for, we, uh, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Also, believe it by experience. Not by faith. Now, I'm not going to say I never, you know, have times where you, know, you kind of have some doubts and things. But, you know, just more and more, I find myself in a situation where I'm kind of looking into the future, looking forward to what's, you know, what could be. And I don't even feel like I have faith. I feel like I just know it. Because the Lord's just proved himself so many times. Now, I can say that now that I'm 39 years old and I've seen a few things. But I couldn't say that, you know, when I was 16 or 17 years old. But you know what I can do now that I'm 39? I can get up and I can testify about what I've seen and about what God has done and how God's always come through on things. And, you know, hopefully that will help other people. And I think I'm not the only one that can say that. We need those who will testify to the fact that waiting on God is worth it. We all know Isaiah 40, 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We all know that, but you know what? Maybe some of these young people need to hear your story. Okay, that's what the law says. But now, how about all of you that have, been, that have witnessed that and experienced that? Let people know about it. Because, again, we need these jurors. We got people working against them. We have false witnesses. out. The false witnesses aren't taking any breaks. Listen, the devil, the defense of sin, he's got CNN testifying. So they're false with their false witness every day. He's got all of them taken care of. And so Isaiah 40, 31, it's a wonderful sounding verse. It's 100% truth. And if that's the case, we shouldn't have any problems getting witnesses. But often they just sit there silent. We need those who are older to, that will testify to the fact that God always takes care of his people. It says in Psalms 37, 23, you know, we need this right now, too, when we are in the uncertain times that we are in. You know what? One of these days, though, hopefully these young people, they're going to be able to do it if, if we survive 2020. All right? If we can get through 2020 alive, if we get through 2020 alive, all right, you know what all of us are going to be able to do in the, in the future, 20 years from now, when it's another election year and another pandemic comes? You know what we're all going to be able to do when the panic starts? We're going to be able to say, I was there in 2020. Oh, you guys are worried about, you know, this whatever, COVID-25 or whatever, COVID-40. Hey, I survived COVID-19. You know, I was, I was there. I, sur I survived the riots. I survived the murder hornets. I survived the whatever. I survived all that stuff. And you know what? I did it whistling in the dark, not wearing the mask, you know, breaking all the rules and I, I that's what I, we'll be able to say all that and you know what we're basically doing we're just saying hey from experience y'all don't need to worry about this and you know a lot of people right now are worrying and unfortunately we don't have i don't know if anybody's left that was there for the spanish flu 
which was really bad. But, you know, it would be nice if we kind of had some of them we could talk to and say, hey, hey how, what was it like back then? I'll bet we could get a lot of comfort from that. But it was just too, it was too long ago. There's, there's nobody around that would have been old enough probably to remember it, to tell us what it was like. But, you know, we could maybe read some history and learn from that. It would be, it would be a help. But, you know, wouldn't it be a blessing to have something if you could just sit down and talk with somebody that survived that? You know, I think that would help me. I think that would help me a lot. But David said in Psalm 37, 23, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. I'm an old man now. You know what? I've never seen God's people. I've never seen the righteous, those who are doing right, begging for bread. I've never seen God forsake them. They're always being taken care of. Now, some of us, maybe we're, so we haven't really seen hard times. Maybe we haven't seen a whole lot yet. But, you know, we've all seen something now in 2020. We've all seen something now. And you know what? I believe we're all going to be able to say after 2020 is over is God took care of his people. God took care of those that were obedient to him. God took care of those who continued to have a sound mind during a time when everyone was losing their mind. You know, we're all going to be able to testify to that, and it's going to be a help, and it's going to be a blessing. And so I, do, I feel like I'm to the point in my life where in certain areas I just don't need faith. It's just a fact. I don't even feel like I believe in the coming of Christ anymore by faith. It just I've seen so much proof that the Bible's true. It's just a fact to me. It is just a fact that we're going to win this thing in the end. It's just a fact to me that I don't even feel like I have to pray and ask God to help me with that one of these days I'm going to get killed, but I'm coming back. It's just a fact. I feel like I've already won this thing. And, you know, and I have, I know that by faith, but I almost don't even feel like it's by faith anymore. It just, it seems that real to me after how many times God has proven himself. And understand, as we get older, we start feeling that way, but the younger people aren't there yet. There's no way they can be there yet. So they need us testifying. They need us witnessing. They need us telling them these things and sharing these things because your children, they're, they're, they're the juries. They're listening. They're trying to decide whether or not they should listen to me or if they should listen to the defense. And you should make a practice of being a witness in these cases when it's something that you know and you understand. Because today I'm up here and I'm witness and I'm and I'm up and I'm I'm putting sin on trial. I'm prosecuting against sin. But you know what you can do? One of the ways you can testify, or one of the ways you can be a witness, if you know this is a fact. One of the ways we're a witness by saying Amen. So I say, can I get a witness? Hey, you're, you're, you're confirming. You're confirming. Your kids need to hear you confirming what I say because you know it. But not only that, you can be a witness by continuing to talk about the message later. And you, know, and you can add your own stories and experiences. So you know the pastor's right when he was saying about the alcohol. I know he's never drank it before. But you know that verse he talked about, you know, look not on it, give this color of the cup, or when it talked about thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thy heart shall utter perverse things. You know, back when I, before I was saved, when I used to drink, I used to do some really dumb stuff. I got myself in a lot of trouble. I mean, and, and just talk about all the heartache and pain that came. You know what you're doing when you when you go home and you do that. You know what you're doing. You're being a, you're you're a witness in this trial that we have right now. 
And you know what you're doing? You're influencing the jury. And we need that. That's a good thing. That's one, that, that's one of your jobs. You ought to do that. And you know what? Anytime you see someone making a case against sin in an area where you are a witness of the fact that it is true, you should be ready to stand up and be a witness. I was uh, When we were at camp this week, I was talking, I was using a lot of these same illustrations, but talking about being a witness of the gospel. And I was telling the kids, how, you know, something's true. You ought to stand up and be willing to say something about it. And one of the things I did to kind of make a point, I got up there and I was talking about how my favorite superhero is Batman. I think it's just awesome how Batman can fly around, shoot fire from his eyes. You know, he comes from the planet Krypton. And one of the kids, he stepped up. He's like, that's not Batman. That's Superman. (laughs) And, you know, and that was exactly what I was waiting for somebody to do when I was there. And, you know, I was like, what? You know what he was doing? He knew what I was saying was wrong. Okay? It was... Oh, well, that's your belief about Superman. You know, this, you know, you believe it's Superman. I believe it's Batman. No, that's Superman. Hey, that's not Batman. He knows that, all right? And, you know, it'd be great if people were as passionate about the truth of God's Word as they were the truth about superheroes. I would, it would drive some of you crazy if I got up here and I said, you know what? My favorite DC comic character is the Incredible Hulk. I think it's cool how he's a billionaire and how he's got all these cool gadgets and he puts that suit on that he can, you know, fly around in and shoot lasers out of. And his real name's Peter Parker. You know, I think DC, you know, that's, see, that's driving you nuts, some of you nuts hearing that. Man, your facts are all over the place. Your facts are all wrong. And you know what? It's just like it drives you nuts when you hear somebody get up and say something that it's not your opinion. No, you know that that's a lie. You know that that's false. And there's people out there every day telling your kids that alcohol is okay. There's people out there every day telling your kids that fooling around and doing whatever they want with the opposite sex is okay. There's people out there telling your kids it's okay to be a queer. There's people telling you all that stuff. And you know for a fact it isn't true. But for some reason, when it comes to these things, everybody thinks we, can just sit, we, we should just sit on it and not judge and mind our own business. No, you know the fact. So you ought to stand up and be a witness Against that. And that's what we need right now. We need God's people to speak up and to be a witness against sin. And we need and we need it to be a witness for righteousness because this world is full of young jurors out there trying to figure things out. And the devil's bringing his witnesses up like crazy. But yet Christians are remaining silent. We're going to go out today, and there's a bunch of jurors that are out there in Erie, Illinois, that have been hearing a bunch of stuff, a bunch of lies from the devil. And you know what? It's our job to go out there and find those who are willing to listen and to witness, be a witness to the facts, the witness to the truth that we know. And it's our hope and it's our desire that some of those jurors out there will make the right decision, and they'll believe on Christ for salvation. But you know, the chances are, if we don't say anything, nothing's going to happen. And the chances are, if we don't speak out against sin, that, because I, I, I guarantee you, the devil's going to be saying what he wants to say for sin. And if we're not careful, the young people in our church are going to end up listening to them because that's the only voice being heard. And we need to be a loud voice in opposition to sin. So I hope that was a help and a blessing. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word and uh, the promises that are there. And Lord, just all that you've proven to us or through just the miracle that this book is.
But dear God, I pray you'll help each one in here who uh, just knows these things by experience and for a fact. I pray you'll help us to uh, use our voices as a witness. And I pray that these the young people that are in this church can avoid a lot of the terrible mistakes that many have made. And they can just live successful, happy lives. In your name we pray. Amen.